0: the warning passages in the epistle to the Hebrews, also known as the falling away passages have provoked lots of scholarly discussion and interest um, for our Christian history. And the reason for this is because when people have looked at these warning passages, they have arrived at completely different conclusions. And so when we come to apply these scriptures to our own lives, our interpretation really matters because the way we read, understand and apply a text will have great consequences in the way we live everyday life, whether that's in the small things or whether that's in the bigger picture things. And so where are these warnings? Well, traditionally, there are believed to be five warning passages in Hebrews, although there is debate as to where these occur. But generally, these warnings occur at the start of chapter two, in chapters 3 and 4, in chapter 6, in chapter 10, and in chapter 12, we have five warnings. But in the short time we have, I want to look at the most often cited and most ferocious of the warning passages, and that can be found in chapter 6 from verse 4. And it says this For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, since on their own they are crucifying again the Son of God and are holding him up to contempt. And so what we have here is very strong soteriological language, language of tasting of the eschaton, of the age to come. And with this, the question in our heads is, well, can you lose all of this? Can you taste of the age to come? Can you participate genuinely in the Holy Spirit and yet fall into apostasy? But I suppose the main sort of talking point regarding the warning passages is twofold. Firstly, it's the question of what exactly is the state of salvation for the recipients to whom the letter was written? And secondly, the question of what is the author's concern? Is it that these believers could fall away from the faith and and lose their salvation? And so when you add these two questions together, you should land with an answer. And so the first question is, what exactly is the state of salvation for the recipients? Some would say, well, if they fall away, then it wasn't genuine faith, and they were simply counterfeits. Or others have suggested a sort of mixed audience that these warnings only really apply to some people. The general consensus, though, for most scholars is that the recipients were real Christians. The language of tasting of the age to come, of participating in the spirit, of being God's house, that language from the start of chapter three, of sharing, participating in the heavenly calling. And in chapter five, verse 12, the recipients are told that actually, They should be teaching the contents of this letter by now. And so seeing the recipients as genuine believers is the likely scenario and so if the answer to the first question is that this was a believing community then the other question we are left with is what is the author's concern and what do we do with the reality of falling away from the faith? It is clear from the type of language used in Hebrews that apostasy was a very real danger within the community and as Barnabas Linda suggests, Hebrews is trying to pull the recipients from the brink of apostasy. Now traditional forms of Calvinism in terms of salvation would point to irresistible grace and the sovereignty of God and the result is the elect are totally secure from falling away and this is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints now from an arminian point of view the sending of the spirit overcomes total depravity and through provenient grace human will is activated and this is where a choice is made on behalf of humankind and we see this aspect of free will within hebrews for example Boist Fanning does a brilliant job of highlighting the conditional clauses in Hebrews. Those bits, for example, in chapter 3, where the author says, We are God's house if we hold firm. We are partakers of Christ if we hold on to our first confidence to the end. And so in the Christian life, we decide. We decide to allow the Spirit to work and sanctify us if we don't. Then the result is backsliding, and then sin crowds Christ out of our lives, as the book of James tells us. But this is not so bad. This isn't apostasy. This person can easily come back on the straight and narrow. But if it gets worse, the further result is total apostasy and the repudiating of Christ, the refusal to accept him. And then the follow-up question would be, if you commit apostasy and turn away from Christ, if the situation gets this bad, then can you return? Is there a second repentance? And Hebrews answers this at the start of chapter 6 and tells us it's impossible. Because what this person has decided by themselves means that they would never want to come back. And so their fate is their ultimate desire. But I think it's really important to acknowledge that while the warnings in Hebrews are severe and should be heeded by all believers, that ultimately Hebrews is a word of exaltation, as we're told in chapter 13 and verse 22. After all, if we keep reading from the warning in chapter 6, we see the tone change completely in verse 9, when we read, Even though we speak in this way, beloved, we are confident of better things in your case, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not overlook your work and the love that you showed for his sake in serving the saints, as you still do. And we want each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end, so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises." The author cares and loves his community, but has to warn them due to their own unique unique situation and that as God's holy ones, we are called to live holy lives which persevere.